Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to tackle our monthly topic of a herd health issue. Today, we're going to focus on the topic of Yoni's disease, and I'm joined by Dr. Lindsay Walker-Mead, who's a Nebraska Extension Educator and also veterinarian. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Well, as we discuss this topic today, I think this is one that many cow-calf producers hear about, uh, but there's, I think, a lot of things not understood about Yoni's disease. Uh, tends to be a disease we hear more about in dairy cattle, but as we got on, it's present in Nebraska and in many counties, it has been identified. So just talk through with us this topic of Yoni's disease, what it is from a beef cattle production perspective, what are some things we should know about it? Sure. So I, I always just like to start by just kind of explaining, you know, what is Yoni's disease? So it is a bacteria. Um, so the, the name is Mycobacterium paratuberculosis. But so just that big name is it is a bacteria that can cause an infection in the intestines of animals. And so what happens is somehow that animal will ingest this bacteria and then it will slowly start to grow inside intestinal cells. And slow growing is, is important because that, that kind of defines how this disease goes. And I'll kind of go through those different stages when we talk about clinical signs. But once that bacteria has gotten into those intestinal cells, the immune system of the animal's body will start to recognize that there's something that needs to start to protect it. And so what happens is the lining of the intestines actually start to get thick. So that's kind of a protective mechanism. And once the intestinal lining starts to thicken, you know, we know that the intestines, one of their reasons for having them is that we're going to use that to absorb nutrients. So if the intestines are thick, we can't absorb nutrients like we're supposed to. So then you start to see the progression of clinical signs that you would see with any sort of intestinal disease, such as weight loss um, and diarrhea. So the, the big thing, like I had mentioned earlier, is about the slow growing. The clinical signs really don't show up until we get to about stage three. So there's four different stages. And I'll kind of go over those stages for you just to give you an idea of, of how this progresses over time. So stage one would be what we call uh, like a silent stage or the early stage, and it's not detectable. You wouldn't be able to send a sample in in an animal that's less than two years old to be able to detect any antibodies to this bacteria. So Usually this is in the calves that have maybe ingested it from feces from a shedding animal and it starts to replicate in the intestines, but there's no, there's nothing that you can see. So after time, there, there is a chance that in that first stage, just like any other infection an animal or a human would get that your, your immune system might, might be able to overcome it. And if it does, you may not progress to stage two. However, most of them will start to progress as that bacteria starts to replicate and we get into stage two, and that would be kind of what's called a, a subclinical shedder, where these would be animals that we're going to not see any clinical signs. So they look really healthy, but the bacteria load is high enough. So we're starting to shed that in the feces. So this is that hidden source of infection that's really dangerous because you just don't know that it's there. And if you test that animal, even if you were just doing a screening, you actually only 10% of the time are going to have enough antibodies in those feces to even come up positive. So that's, that's the area that gets really tricky because, I mean, it's dangerous. We just don't know that it's there and they are shedding it. Now, if, if that 
over time starts to go and over time could be anywhere from two to 10 years. I mean, it can take a really long time to get to show those signs. But once we get into stage three, then we're starting to see those clinical signs that I had mentioned, the diarrhea, the weight loss, and the bacteria load is definitely high. And these are considered heavy shedders. Um, so lots and lots of bacteria found in the feces. And if it gets, again, one more stage up, this is where we get into the advanced stages. This is the ones that you're definitely going to know something's wrong. They're going to be very thin. They're going to have um, extreme weight loss, extreme diarrhea, drop in milk production. They're just going to look really bad. And the thing about them is in, in stage four, not only can they spread now the bacteria in their feces and manure, it actually can also be spread in colostrum and milk, and it could potentially be spread to the calf. So if they were bred, then we could be spreading it into the fetus too. Uh, one other thing, once you get to stage four, is that these animals may not pass inspection at carcass slaughter. So we definitely, you know, if you're starting to see signs in stage three, something that looks concerning anytime, you know, that's when you want to contact your veterinarian and possibly test those animals. So let's talk more about that. I think if someone has a concern or I guess maybe let's back up just a little bit. How do we think about keeping this out of our herd? And as we were having a conversation before we got on, it is present in beef herds in Nebraska, but probably more prevalent in the dairy industry. Let's just talk about how does this get transmitted between herds? What are some things to be careful about as you think about trying to prevent this from getting into your herd? Yeah, so it is good to know when you talk about statistics about how much is actually going on in, in the United States in beef and dairy. So yes, dairy is overrepresented. I think from 1997, NOMS data said that if you have a large dairy, so greater than 300 cows, you know, over 50% of those, those herds are going to be positive. Beef cattle is only about 7%. So it is a low risk. However, the way that you prevent it from getting in would be just like any other biosecurity mechanism. So we talk about adding replacements. If you, you know, if you're wanting to get a replacement, you want to make sure that it is from a healthy herd. And that's, that's for any disease, honestly, but there are some, some herds that can be screened for yonis. And I reached out to Dr. Loy at the diagnostic lab in Lincoln, and he suggests doing, um, you know, screen level, a uh, herd level screening where you do pooled samples. Basically, you just take several different samples from animals in your herd, uh, fecal samples, and you put them all together and then you send that in and get a test done. And that'll, that'll give you basically, you know, a low detection or a higher detection rate if you have more that are in there when you pool them. So adding new animals from a known, known status is important. And then just good management techniques with any sort of uh, disease process, but especially knowing that yonis is spread in manure. We want to talk about uh, biosecurity management issues at calving. So making sure that you're cleaning up, you know, any of the calving areas, cleaning in or calving in new zones. Another one that's big to remember, especially in uh, the beef sector is where your colostrum comes from. So, uh, you know, it's, I have talked before about getting a source of colostrum to use, you know, if you had a, if you had a cow that had a colostrum sample and you wanted to keep that for use in another calf, just make sure that that cow obviously has a healthy has a healthy status, and I would definitely you know advise not getting colostrum from the neighboring dairy. Not that there may be something wrong with that, but we know that it's more prevalent in dairy animals. So making sure that your colostrum is clean and just how you manage you know the collection of those animals. So manure on the udders, making sure again they're calving in a clean environment. 
it just comes down to basic biosecurity as with any other disease process, but knowing where your replacements come from is important. So as we think about transmission of the disease, is it primarily occurring in calves or in older animals or what's known about that? Yeah, so it is because it is spread through manure. So lots of times it'll start in the young stock. So it you may have a higher spreader. I had mentioned earlier that the, because of the stages of disease, once you know that you have a possible stage three or stage four animal in your herd, it doesn't mean that's the only animal that's infected. So think of it like a pyramid. Once we get to stage four, we will have probably multiple animals that are in stage one or two because the animal has been spreading in your environment. Then we know that those younger calves probably have been exposed. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, it could be transmitted usually in that those young calves, and then it's just, it's just a matter of time. And, and again, it can take a really long time to show up positive. So you mentioned earlier about pooling samples to identify if you have a positive, I guess, just talk through with us a little bit about the process that a producer would work with a veterinarian on that. What does that look like? And then what would be some strategies moving forward if you came back with some positives? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, the first thing, obviously, if you have an animal that you're concerned about uh, for any illness, when you contact your veterinarian, you can do individual testing on that one. Um, and, and what they do is you you run off of um, PCR or serology. And so we're, we're basically just trying to look for the antibodies of that bacteria. You can do herd level screening. And again, that's where I said, if you take approximately you know 30 animals or something and you pool all those feces together and send them in, um, just to kind of get a baseline of where you're at. But if you do come up with a positive, so if you have an animal that's sick and is positive, you know, culling that animal would be a good idea because this is not a treatable condition um, at, at this point. So hopefully if you culled them and or slaughtered them, then before we talk about the condemning the carcass at stage four, um, you want to get rid of that animal. You also want to know, you know, if, if you have multiple concerns, it, it's kind of, creating their own area. So if you, you don't want to have a sick animal where you're calving. So making sure that your biosecurity is good where, you know, you don't want to have a sick pin right next to where you're going to have other healthy animals calving for potential for spreading. So isolation is important. Um, and then just keeping an eye out, you know, again, this is not just a one-time thing. This is, this is a long-term investment and a and long-term um, commitment to being able to watch for animals that may be showing signs and doing multiple screening tests. And that may be, you know, doing those pooled fecal samples every six months until you know that you're having a, the low detection rate. Anything else on this topic that you'd like to highlight today in terms of if you think you could have yonis or things to just be aware of in terms of prevent it from being in the herd. So again, um, you know, I've said this multiple times, but the biggest thing is to have this conversation with your veterinarian. So anytime that you have a health concern, you know, adding it to your health protocol, what you should look for, how you should prevent it. And, and the prevention definitely comes back to management, honestly. And that goes to a lot of different diseases, but especially when we talk about yonis, when it's something that's spread in the feces, you know, making sure that your water sources and your feed sources are not contaminated, making sure you try and keep your, your management in your um, calving areas clean and, or where they're, you know, where they're at. So just, just being able to control it on your end. Um, it is, it is, again, it's a low risk in beef cattle, but it is something to, to know about. And just having a good biosecurity program is always a great plan for your herd. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you.
Well, for more on the topic we discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, you can contact a Nebraska Extension veterinarian. Of course, Dr. Lindsay Wachter-Mead is an extension educator with the University of Nebraska, and we also have staff at the Great Plains Veterinary Education Center, as well as at our diagnostic lab in Lincoln.